0: Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi, everyone. This is Rohtam Raisal Mastery, and I'm excited to have you up, Vilna, who's a co-founder and CEO of Walnut, a no-code platform that allows sales teams to instantly create individually tailored and interactive product demos that improve sales experiences and conversions. Walnut recently raised $35 million, bringing their total money to, $1. Uh, to $56 million, and Walnut is a noteworthy brand in the sales department. Uh, the company is working with hundreds of SaaS clients, including Adobe, Dell, and Medelia to improve sales experiences for their prospects. Welcome to the show here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So um, uh, you have you have an interesting journey. Uh, you... Um, uh, Were were based in in Tel Aviv, and now you have a a global company. How to get into this world of startups, and why did you build one?
1: Right. So when I was in my early twenties, I've built uh, one of the world's first uh, tech marketing companies, and it taught me all about anywhere from startups to uh, to growth, to go to market, to sales, and we had about six hundred clients and offices in London and Manhattan. Um, And I lived across all of those different locations. I met with hundreds and hundreds of startups um, and helped them. Um, I started mentoring in accelerators. I started writing columns for the top publications in the U.S. about uh, startups and growth. Um, I moved back from Tel Aviv uh, because we had an office in Manhattan. I moved back to Tel Aviv. I launched a startup and then followed by Another startup which is now Walnut.
0: Interesting, and um, uh, you, you know, I, I I saw that you you read wrote a, you know a very popular article called uh, "Godlike uh, CMO," and you mentioned it that uh, the the sales and the marketing teams should should be separate. Uh, so you know, I I've seen that you know there's a lot of uh, uh, overlapping with sales and the marketing teams, but you know, especially if it's a CMO. Should they should they look at working? Uh, you know, should the sales guys should report to CMO or should they work with the CMO to ensure that you know the business go ahead?
1: Right. So, so Godlike CMO is an article I wrote for Medium. It took me about ten minutes, and um, it was a very very uh, trending article for for a couple of weeks. Um, the the thing is, I think it depends. First of all, I, I think it depends on the size of the company. So. If you're a Series A startup, then in specific industries, so your CMO could potentially lead some of your go-to-market efforts. But you know, obviously, when you grow much more and you're dozens of employees and you're doing your Series B, Series C, um, you need a VP of sales and a VP of marketing, and um, and then you have a CRO and then you have a CMO, and it kind of the work kind of divides between everyone.
0: Got it. And, uh, you know, I've been, I've been a sales and business development partnerships guy. Um, how, how do you look at, uh, you know, hiring salespeople, um, especially, you know, when you want to look at, you know, low ego to accomplishment ratio, especially when they are starting off their careers uh, in sales?
1: Right. So first of all, the first employee that we had in the company was our VP of sales, which is based in Manhattan. And it was a very unusual hire because we didn't really have anything to sell just yet um and he joined us be- before most of the r&d and product people but the reason was very specific like we were building an mvp product for for sales teams and so we wanted a vp of sales to be involved um, and also we started building our pipeline and eventually we had one of the most viral launches of 2020 like we had 700 people on a wait list hmm. um, so we were doing something right but uh, we hired vp of sales we started building out Plans for what the team would look like, and then we started hiring mostly in the US. Um, our go-to-market team, which is by now already over forty people, just in the
0: US. Interesting. And and, and do you think uh, you know, a startup founders should they hire a head of sales first or a sales rep for Somebody uh, who's junior uh, and can do a lot of you know a lot of other things. And you know, what should you expect from from a head of sales versus a sales rep?
1: Right. So I, I'm getting that question a lot because I, th- I think it kind of varies between um, different, different industries. And so let's say, I don't know, if you're in a cyber you know, industry and you have a cyber product and you're dealing with CISOs, you would probably bring on like a very experienced head of sales um, dealing with, you know, hopefully trying to sell for a very high ACVs and and talking to people with a technic- some sort of a technical uh, knowledge. Um, if you're more of a bottoms-up product or if it's a marketing product or a sales product, sometimes you don't need someone executive right when you just start. Like you can start generating your first pipeline. You know, if you're a seed company specifically, start generating your pipeline with an experienced uh, sales rep. And most, most often the CEOs would go on the demos and go on the calls with that rep. And um, for, for us to just work differently, but averagely I've seen it work that way. You, you would hire uh, an executive uh, so early on if um, it's a very competitive landscape, if the ACVs are very high and you need someone super experienced.
0: Interesting. And, uh, you when you're looking to hire your first sales rep, what is what is the you know three criteria or one criteria that you look for um, when you're looking to hire?
1: Um, uh, we're mostly looking at first of all how the conversation is going, like in terms of the interviews, if um, if they're doing a good job in selling their you know selves to us, their value proposition, their backgrounds, and if we feel there's high energies in the call then we imagine that's what our prospects and customers would feel so um i would say the interview you know in, in some roles like like for r&d or other product or other uh, type of roles um you put a lot of emphasis on the let's say like an assignment or an exercise or stuff like that i think that with go to market roles the actual interview it's not physical anymore but the actual interview um Let's your yet lets your employer kind of imagine how you would act with prospects, and that's one, probably the most important thing. Um, after that, it's kind of um, achievements and quotas that they attained in the previous roles. So if they constantly met their quotas, they were doing something really good, and um, that's one of the main KPIs that we have for obviously for salespeople. Um, the number three would probably be trying to figure out how creative they are, because startups usually sell something that the market doesn't even know they need. Mm. So it's not going on selling a bottle of water, right? You're going to convince them they need a product they didn't know existed. And so you have to be very creative about it. That's pretty much it.
0: Mm, Interesting. And, uh, and, and, you know, I've I've seen that, uh, especially when you're interviewing someone uh, you, you know that person for 45 minutes or an hour, but, how do you how do you get to know the signals that you know somebody you're hiring, a sales rep or a leader, is is a 10x hire? You
1: you have to make a bet, but we we go very deep into um, background checks. So we talk to everyone that we can from every company they worked with, and um, up until now we actually had like hundred percent success rate in guessing the right culture fits and the DNA DNA of the candidates. We had for go-to-market so we're lucky about that but there's a lot of there's a lot of db that you need to do backstage um you, there's no way of knowing like you said 45 minutes th- there's no way of knowing if this is like a perfect fit um for every role i specifically have a set of questions that i think help me understand but um it's a real guess
0: mm. interesting and uh, you know, uh, you, you mentioned about asking a few questions, but uh, what, what really works? You know, when you're trying to hire a, a sales rep, what uh, what are some of the questions? Or, uh, or you know, you talk about background checks, but what really works when you're looking at hiring and making sure that, you know, 80 or 90% of the time that you would be right?
1: Yeah, so uh, one question that I like to ask is I ask them about... Um, and you know what, not just sales rep in specific, but I asked them about stuff that went wrong in previous roles, mm. and failures that they had. Usually, um, people would split into a couple of groups here. So one group would tell you, it never happened. And you know, they're lying.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, a second group would uh, tell you what happened like a failure that happened, but they would blame it on their boss or the company or the employer. And you also know they, they, they don't really um, share all of the information and they're not being honest. Um, what I like best is kind of the people that just flat out tell you, uh, you know, I missed my quotas by 50% because I didn't get what the product was doing or I had a failure X or Y or Z, or Z. But as long as they're being honest about it, I think it reflects a lot about the people. And if you see them, like if you're doing the interview, if you see them not opening up, you can definitely talk about a failure that you had um hmm. uh, as as a boss and i think that makes um candidates feel more comfortable
0: to talk mm, interesting very interesting and uh you know especially for, for founders you know when is the right time to start building a second product
1: um uh, well th- that's not always the case for all of the companies like a lot of companies have just one uh for you know forever um so, so, yeah, I think it depends on, like, you know, if you're a seed company, a series A company, if you're, you you've already found your market fit or not, if you're um, bottoms up. All of these are, like, factors of, you know, it's a huge, a huge formula to decide uh, if it's the right time.
0: Mm, correct. And, and, you know, a lot of SaaS founders and a lot of software comp- uh, founders start with uh, reaching out to, out to SMBs and, and you know, and, and startups. When do you think is, is the right time to start to move up market into, into enterprise and start, you know, reaching out to bigger companies.
1: Yeah. Um, so SMBs sound easy, but when you scale, I think it's a, one of the most difficult audiences to, to crack at scale. Um, usually that's where the budgets are smaller and um, maybe they have less flexibility and less patience to work with, with, a, with an up-and-coming product. Um, what we did, for instance, at Walnut, we actually had a couple of enterprise and fortune companies, but they were design partners at first. So, you know, the, the first couple of it's its not a customer. Right. So the first couple of partners that you have, they don't pay you, but you get to do all of your mistakes working with them on your MVP. So it's kind of a it's kind of a joint collaboration. Uh, we actually did that with a couple of enterprise companies. Um, if you're a good company, if you're a good product, then you should measure how many of your design partners converted later on to be your paying customers. Um, But if you want to decide, like if you're going for SMBs, which is the smaller tickets and larger like quantities of customers, um, it's kind of building two different companies, enterprise and SMB is totally different. You should probably not try and mix them. Hmm. Um, And, and then if you're an enterprise company, you're going to focus more on hiring the sales reps and the, you know product product marketing and everything. and whereas with SMBs you would focus more of your budgets on media and PPC and LinkedIn and Google um, and all that.
0: Interesting. And especially you know when a company is uh, trying to grow what metrics should they should they should matter uh, when they when they're looking to grow?
1: So I think up until this recession, the metrics were uh, pretty much uh, how much customers you can acquire. Uh, okay at any given time um now now it's obviously a bit different like investors are looking at your uh, retention and churn and expansion and net dollar retention and there's there's a lot of kpis now uh to determine if it's an efficient company um it's definitely more difficult now to be a successful SaaS company than what it was last year you would raise less money and have more expectations of your KPIs
0: interesting and uh, you know uh, you've been able to raise uh, 35 million dollars from high quality investors like eight Road ventures a capital and others what you know in what way do you think you know investors pro- provide value uh, value to the company uh, you know, other than just capital investment?
1: Right. Um, yeah, we raised the 35 million series B a couple of months ago, we raised a total of 56 in the okay. first years of our existence. Um, I always, you know, inv- good investors would already would kind of ask you that question, like before you partner up with them, they would ask you, well, how can I be valuable to you? Mm. Um, honestly, you should kind of look at first of all, if they invested at similar companies, not not competitive, but from the specific landscape, you're part of and um, they would probably have more value to give if they know, let's say, in our case b2 b sales in other cases, if they know gaming, if they know whatever, and you know healthcare and everything. um you, you want to make sure they they kind of they have the knowledge set. That's one thing. um if they have a if they have a vast network that they can introduce and connect and kind of help you with your deal flow um funds that have hundreds of portfolio companies are more likely to be able to connect you to a lot of companies uh, but sometimes there's very strong and connected angel investors that can quickly introduce you to a lot of companies as well um another thing to look at like the brand of the investor and the, the fund doesn't make a lot of difference mm. but if if it's a good brand then your next round investors are going to be more impressed and and so you want to work
0: with a fund that you feel has a good reputation. Interesting and uh, and and how do you advise founders? You know when it comes to to manager selection, uh, you, you talked about about funds having having a great uh, you know brand, but uh, but do you specifically advise uh, want to give advice on you know what sort of partner or, or or team member you want to get them on board, or is that a selection which is uh, only left to the fund to give.
1: Um, if if it's a competitive round and as the founder, you have all the cards, so you can decide pretty much everything. But if it's not, like if there's just one fund in the race and they know it, so they would probably make that decision.
0: Interesting. And um, I, I want to talk there, uh, about uh, the employees who, who work, you know, how how you get the best out of your teams. You mentioned you have teams across Europe and U.S., uh, especially when it comes to uh, remote setups, you know, how do you make sure, uh, uh, you know, departments like sales, uh, where which are very revenue driven, uh, how can you get the best out of them?
1: Um, so, the first, like the founding team members that you hire, like let's say the first ten people or first fifteen people, they ha- you have to aim really, really high with them because everyone that will follow would want to work with people they appreciate and admire. And so you want to put a lot of effort into that. Um, A lot of people cut corners and get, you know, they bring their friends and they bring people that are maybe cheaper because it's just a seed round. There's not a lot of money in the bank. Um, You don't want to make a decision. You you don't want to make a hiring decision based on that. You want to think of, is this the seed team that will be the strongest for me when I bring on everyone else in the future? Um, And they will kind of just,
0: Attract
1: each
0: other Got it. and and how do you use compensation and, and equity structures to you know supercharge your your uh, your team, um, especially you know you once you've given uh, you know quite a bit of an equity to your, to your early team now how do you how do you look at uh, compensation when you're looking to grow from Series B to CDC and above?:
1: Yeah, so compensation like you have to be competitive because that's the market right now. Um, in terms of equity, you also have to be competitive. There's definitely a lot of possibilities for the good talents. Um, for go-to-market roles, you know, there's a, there's another uh, part of the formula, which is the commissions and bonuses and everything. Um, it doesn't really matter if it's a, sometimes it's a, the employee's market, sometimes it's the employer's market. Yeah. Right now, it's definitely more of an employer's market because of the crisis, but um, you always want to be competitive because if they feel they're underpaid, if they feel they're undervalued, then they're not going to last anyway.
0: Hmm. Right, true. And and, and how do you, how do you stretch uh, targets? You know that are both ambitious as well as attainable, considering that you know you you have quickly raised uh, you know a lot of money. But uh, how do you how do you supercharge your team so that you know they can they can level up every time uh, you know the the goals go up?
1: You would you want, you want to build out a team of you know managers and leaders that can really coach the, the team and really push their limits yeah um you have to be fast to fire if something's not working out and not keep low performing employees but um besides that like give them all the tools that they need and your vp of sales or your head director of sales or head of sales or whatever um and then the team leaders beneath that they need to be super super um um let's call it some sort of um, it's like a mentorship type
0: because
1: hmm. cause selling is you know is a lot of uh, mental work yeah and they need to push them to to beyond
0: their limits mm, got it interesting and you, you mentioned about mentorship and coaching uh, do, do you also have your own performance coach or a, like a executive coach who can coach you or is it you take most of the mentoring from the investors who have already on board?
1: Um, in my case, no, maybe I should, <laughs> but um but, yeah, we work with really, really experienced and smart people that I look up to as investors. and so that's what I'm using for now. Interesting.
0: And um, I quickly want to do the top three. What's your favorite business book?
1: So one of our investors is the founder of Okta, and he launched he he published a book called Zero to IPO a couple of mm-hmm. months ago. Yeah, Yeah, about how Okta started during the financial crisis of 2008. They almost shut down, and then they became a monstrous security company. Right. Nice.
0: So that's a that's a favorite book. Interesting. We'll we'll put that in the show notes. And uh, uh, if you could go back in time when you started Warrant, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently?
1: Um, I think that sometimes. In the past, I, I've put my idea for a product before the people that I'm building it with. Not in Walnut, but like in my previous ventures. And it's always the people first. Like you have to put people before anything. The product doesn't really matter at when you're pre-seed. Um, things are going to change. You're going to pivot. Um, and so definitely always think about the people you're doing this with.
0: Got it. And, and do you have any favorite online tools, for example, Gmail, Slack, Zoom, uh, anything other than Walnut?
1: Well, I've been doing marketing for about 15 years now, and I would say that HubSpot is definitely a favorite tool.
0: Absolutely. I think HubSpot is, uh, is also one of my favorite tools. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, uh, you, what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about Bonnet?
1: Um, I'm very available on LinkedIn. Um, and through our website walnut.io. Got it. We'll put that in the show notes.
0: Uh, Yo, thank you so much for taking an out and speaking to us. I really enjoyed my conversation with you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.